I've heard many of y'all say, I, I just love, I love the testimonies. I love hearing people get up here and, and share. And I thank God for the opportunity for us to be able to do that. If you would now, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I've had several of you say, uh, as we're preaching through the Psalms, could you preach Psalm 103? This is uh, a really, really good one. And I hope that you're familiar with it a little bit. And I'm excited about us getting into it today. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible, it's, you can use a pew Bible there in front of you. It's page 546. Page 546 if you want to use the black pew Bible there. Psalm 103. You know, we're coming out of Thanksgiving, and I don't want to get like, too sentimental about it, but I hope that there was a time over the last several days, regardless of what your life is like, that you slowed down a little bit. One of the neat things about a holiday is that most people are given some time off. And I hope that there was at least a time, an afternoon, where you sat down and just thought about whether you are thankful. You remember I preached last Sunday on what it means to be grateful and what being grateful looks like. And I talked about how it's not found in our stuff or in our things. But I hope that over the last couple days, you have found time to be able to Take a step back and, and just look at your life. This week for us, we, we were able to get all of Valeria's family together. And with all of the kids that are grandkids to her parents, there are 15. There are her parents, her and her two siblings, and, and then there are all the spouses. And then I believe now there are seven grandchildren in that family. You get all of them together, that's 15. We took, a, we took a picture, and it's nice to see 15 people in a picture. I'm hoping that one day we can do that on, on my side of the family and see that. But it was neat for us to sit there and think about, wow, this is, this is a nice time. But it was nice to me, but you know who it was even nicer to? Val's parents. The patriarch and the matriarch. That if it weren't for them two... We wouldn't have these other 13. And it's neat to be able to sit back and look at those things in your life. Blessings. At another time this week at the, uh, in the yard, there was this big, huge dirt hill. I mean, a really big one. And as soon as we got there and we saw that hill, I taught the kids how to play king of the hill. Somebody gets on the top and everybody else tries to get to the top and you throw everybody else down. And over the course of four or five days there, they loved it. They played King of the Hill as much as they could. They were as dirty as we've ever seen them be dirty. And we liked that. When we sat around the table at Thanksgiving and we said, you know, everybody share something that they're thankful for, one of the aunts said, one of my greatest memories or blessings was when I just sat outside, didn't even let them know I was watching, and watched those kids play King of the Hill. They just kept playing. They were laughing. They were getting upset and they were laughing and they were slinging each other around. But they were just kids outside with nowhere to go at all, just having a good time. And you know what it's like to be able to step back and say, I've got it good in some ways. And I really want to help us see that the, what are the things that cause us to say, I've got it good. Psalm 103 is like that. You remember I did Psalm 100 last Sunday that was, know that the Lord is God. 
and know that the Lord is good. And I talked about allow those things that you know to cause you to be grateful. But today, I want us to look at Psalm 103. And let's look at the blessings and the benefits of God. Read with me, if you will, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children. To those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments, the Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. There's a lot in that psalm that you had heard before. This is a familiar psalm. I want to give you four points today. Number one, the benefits of God. The benefits of God. Number two, the benefit, singular, not plural. The benefit of God. Number two, the, I mean, I'm sorry, number three, the burden of God. The burden of humanity. And then number four, the blessing. The benefits, the benefit, the burden, and the blessing. This psalm begins with saying, bless the Lord. It, it begins calling us to praise God. The psalms are like that. Let me remind you yet again that the psalms are songs. These are the, the book of Psalms, all 150, is the psalm book for the people of Israel. And so we are to think of them as something that would be sung. These, they sing this. And here it starts off, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. This psalm is written by David. It says in, at the beginning there in your title, 
And David is here experiencing this, this overwhelming type of God deserves the praise. God deserves the blessing. David is aware right now, I'm not sure what he was thinking about, but David is aware right now of the goodness and graciousness of God. God is a good God. And in, 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 inside of him, he is saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul. I want God to be blessed. I want him to have the attention. I want, him to have, I want his worth to be felt inside of me. I want the emotions and the affections that I have have to be set upon God, all of this good stuff that I'm feeling and thinking about, that I know about and I experience, I am ascribing it to God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. God, God Almighty, my Maker, my Savior, the one who loves me, the one who is good, that God, bless Him. David feels that. He says it again in verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he says this, and this is where our first point comes from, and forget not all His benefits. I don't want to get super practical, but David gets super practical. Listen, people, there are benefits to knowing God. There are benefits to knowing God. Now, I don't want to give you an either or, you know, your choice type of thing. Do you want the benefits or do you not? I don't want to make it cheap sounding. But David says that there are benefits to knowing God. And there are. He names some. He forgives sin. I don't know if your sins bother you. I don't even know if you do sin. But if you do, I know somebody that forgives them. I'm not sure if you sin or if you care about your sin, if you're bothered by your sin or conviction of your sin, but if you do and your sins are bothering you, then David says, I know somebody that forgives sin. There's a benefit to knowing God. God is the one and only that forgives sin. If you're here today and you sin and you're aware of it, and you have not come to God for forgiveness, would you? Would you seek out forgiveness? Would you be honest enough, man enough, woman enough? Would you be real enough today to admit that you sin and then turn your faith toward the God who forgives sin? And would you not be proud enough and foolish enough to say, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to acknowledge it. One of the many benefits of God is that He forgives sin. He goes on. He heals all your diseases. This is interesting. Not all diseases are healed, at least not right now. And it raises a question, does he mean that God heals all diseases? Does he mean that God heals all diseases right now? Or does he mean that God will heal all diseases? What's well, a good thought? You know, there are some people out there who want to preach to you that God can and will heal all your diseases if you believe enough or if you give them enough money. But this is not what David is saying. David is wanting us to see that God is the healer. If there is any healing that happens at all, it's because God has done it. And ultimately, all healing will happen through God in the end for those who believe. He says this even better, and David would have known this. Turn, you need to know this verse. Turn to Deuteronomy 32. One of the things that you need to know about being a Bible believer, somebody that reads the Bible, is that we are not just picking and choosing what we believe in the Bible. We don't say, well, I believe this one, I don't believe this one. We also don't come to one single verse and try to form a whole big point of theology off of one verse. You don't do that. 
The Bible's 66 books. There's a whole lot there. We read this, we read that, we place it together. If this is true and this is true, then how can this be true? We figure it out. We work and we pray and we seek. So we just heard David say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He forgives all of our diseases. All right, well, look what he's already said in Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. This is a song of Moses. Look at verse 39. See now that I, even I am He, and there is no God beside me. Now look at this. God's statement here. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. We need to know that God is a big God and a sovereign God and that God is in control. Moses, in his joy, is singing this song now. Moses is worshiping God and strengthening his soul and the soul of the people. He is strengthening her faith by singing these truths about God. What he knows about God is strengthening and supporting to him in his life. It is God and God only and only God. And there is no other who kills and gives life, who wounds and heals. There is nobody that can get anybody out of the hand of God. It is God's hand that does this. So we turn back to Psalm 103 when he says he heals all of your diseases. What David is meaning is that any healing that does happen comes from God. If something is not healed, it's because God has a purpose in that too. And one day, for those who believe, everything will be healed. What you'll continue to find in the Psalms, which we've already seen several weeks ago, is the psalmist singing a song with the current in mind, with the current being their experience, the present and the future being their heart and their hope. They're in it now and they're looking to that. It goes on who redeems your life from the pit. I don't know how many times you felt like your life was going in the wrong direction, and yet God has lifted you out of it. That is their experience. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. That God loves you. I hope that many times you have been comforted by the benefit of knowing God loves you, and His love is on you, and His mercy Mercy is you not getting something that you deserve. I think you've heard me say that before. I would define grace as getting something that you don't deserve. Somebody gives you a tip or a compliment, that's all grace. They didn't have to tell you that or give you that. They just did. They gave you something you didn't deserve. Mercy is kind of the opposite. It is you not getting what you deserve. It's when you're speeding, the cop pulls you over and he says, I just give you a warning. It's not because you're smart or because he made a bad call or something like that. That is the mercy of the cop and ultimately the mercy of God that He gave you a warning and not a ticket. you not getting what you deserve. It's mercy. And, and David is saying what a benefit it is, the mercy that God has upon my life. Would you say, like I know that I can say, I should have ruined my life many of times by now. I should have ruined y'all's trust in me by now were it not for the mercy of God. There are so many benefits to knowing God. Look at verse 5. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Have you ever thought to yourself, 
man, God continues to strengthen me. God continues to give me help. God continues to bless me. David is speaking about the benefits that there are. I want to ask you today if you know the benefits of God. He hasn't listed all of them, but he's named several. Do you know the benefits of God? Do you examine your life and see that there are benefits? David is feeling in him this desire for God to be worshipped and praised and bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that was within me. And from that thinking of God, his mind is just thinking about all of these things, right? Did any of you all have more food than you needed this week? Did anybody say this week, man, I, I ate too much? What a benefit, right? I don't need to remind you, do I, that some people didn't eat this week? I know some people that sat at home by themselves this week. I know some people that sat in the hospital by themselves this week. The benefits that God has placed in our lives go on and on and on. If we were to make a list, it would be too long. David, in a worshipful state of mind, says, don't forget the benefits of God. Church, don't forget the benefits of God. But understanding and embracing and being humbled and appreciative and worshipful to the benefits of God is based on something bigger than the benefits. It is based on the benefit. David knows this well. He goes into it in verse 6. He's talking about a singular benefit that comes from God and God alone. He says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. God is in the righteousness and justice business. He is. Verse 7, He made known His ways to Moses and His acts to the people of Israel. Do you remember God, Moses going to God and saying, God, teach me your ways. Do you remember Moses going to God and saying, God, God, show me your glory. This is Exodus 32, Exodus 33, Exodus 34. Show me your glory, God. God, teach me your ways. And He did. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God has a nature. God has a character. You know, often we hear somebody say, man, if I was walking in that building, it, God would probably strike me dead. Or you hear somebody say, hey, don't talk like that in the house of God. The building might collapse on you. God doesn't usually do that. He doesn't. On the flip side, though, He's also not up in heaven with his eyes closed. He's not asleep like he didn't see it. He's not ignoring you when you are boldly sinning. He's not turning his back when you're crying yourself to sleep. He has a plan and a purpose in it. And his eyes are on those. He is indeed merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. When you sin, God is not this, this father who, who rages with anger problems. And so when you sin, he snaps. Now God is a beautiful father. He's slow to anger. 
Verse 9, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And even though he does get angry with sin, it's not going to always be that way. Verse 10. This is one of my favorite verses in all of the Psalms. If you can underline it, please do. He does not deal with us according to our sins. He does not repay us according to our iniquities. This is the benefit of knowing God. Life is set up that we are to be dealt with according to our sins. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that to face judgment. You know that. Whether it's jokes that you've heard, or whether it's your conscience just telling you, the way life is set up is you live, you die, and you go to heaven, or at least to the gates of heaven. You stand before God. God sits on the throne. God will judge. Whether people know God or not, they know that. That's the way life is set up. God will deal with us according to our sins. But David here understands not only the benefits of God, but also the greater benefit of God. That God does not have to deal with you according to your sins. God will not deal with everybody according to their sins. David here is not speaking of all of humanity. David here is speaking of the people who know God. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Why not? Why not? Because for those, and he's going to say this again later, but I'll go ahead and jump to it. For those who have repented of their sins, for those who have lived life and come to the realization, you know, I mess up, I've done some wrong things, I'm not perfect, I'm bad, and then they are convicted by it. Not people that just say, I'm a bad guy or I'm not perfect. People who are convicted by it, bothered by it, people who are upset by it, people who are guilty of it, people who are convicted of it. And they look, what do I do with this? What do I do with this position that I'm in, this life that I've lived? What do I do? And then they turn to God because they have heard from somebody what He's like, that He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Notice that the sinner who is convicted of his sins in the right way does not see God and say, let me get away from God. The person who says that does not understand God well enough. They have not heard enough about God. You and I have not done a good enough job communicating to them what God is like to the sinner. When you are convicted of your sins and burdened in you, you will admit humbly and honestly, I have wronged God. You remember Psalm 51, which I preached weeks ago, when David sinned with Bathsheba, but in that Psalm of Repentance, Psalm 51, he says, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. He went and saw a pretty woman taking a bath, and so he went and slept with her. But when he was praying to God and convicted of it, he said, God, I did you wrong. Yes, he did her wrong. He also did God wrong. And that was his confession. When you are feeling that way, here's my problem. You turn to God knowing what he's like. He is slow to anger and he is full of love. And if you go to him, he will not deal with you according to your sins. If you're here today, you might be thinking... How can he do that? If you're here today, you might be thinking, well, how can that be? Let me tell you. 
The Bible says that God, in this being His plan, did never, never wanted us to just be good people that tried to obey. If somebody has taught you that the purpose of the Ten Commandments is to teach us how to live, they're only half right and they are also half wrong. It's not enough to say, God's given us laws and I'm trying to be a good person. That will leave you in trouble. The Bible teaches us that God sent a Savior. If you will start to believe in a Savior, the idea of a Savior, the idea of a Redeemer, the idea of redemption, and then read the Bible with Savior and redemption in mind, you will see Savior and redemption throughout the entire Bible. One might call it redemptive history. It is throughout the whole Bible. The Bible says that God became a man. God became a man. They called Him Jesus. He's 100% God, 100% man. He never sinned and He lived and He died. They killed Him. And while Jesus was being killed on the cross, God took the sins of the world and put them on Jesus. It's called a substitution. Jesus, who never sinned, became our sin. And we over here who are sinners are thinking we're convicted of our sins. What do I do? I've sinned against God, but He is merciful. How is He merciful? Not just in a truth on the page of a Bible. He is merciful in Jesus Christ, in God, in God in the flesh. And we look to Jesus and we say, He did that for me. He died on the cross. He bled for me. He took my sins. And so in my sins, I look to Him and I believe. And I say, God, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you have mercy upon me? God, I'm believing you did that to your son so that you don't have to do that to me. The Bible says that whoever believes in Jesus will escape the judgment. The Bible in John 5, 24 says that whoever believes in Christ will pass from death to life if you will believe that. So in Psalm 103, verse 10, where it says... He does not deal with us according to our sins. David is thinking about redemption. He's thinking about salvation. He's thinking about the Savior. He is saying what Hebrews 9 also says, God will not deal with me because of my sins, like 103.10 says, because He already dealt with Jesus for my sins. If you are here today and you will trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you can believe Psalm 103.10. He's not going to deal with this sinful man right here, Josh Green, according to my sins. Not because he shouldn't. Yes, he should. But because he did that in Jesus already. But, if you will not believe that, and you want to downplay Lord and Savior, the cross, and you want to downplay your sinfulness and your conviction... The Bible says, yes, He will deal with your sins. Yes, He will deal with your sins. Hebrews gives this warning. Are you familiar with Hebrews 10.31 that says, remember it was 9.27, I just quoted you, if you don't believe that Jesus died for your sins, Hebrews 10.31 says, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Well, verse 10 of Psalm 103 doesn't sound very terrifying, does it? Hey, He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. That sounds awesome. That sounds like I want to write a psalm that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless His holy name. That sounds like David is mindful of his great God and Savior. When you are aware of the forgiveness of God through Jesus, Your heart says, yes. 
I worship you, God. Bless you. Bless your holy name. But when you are not aware of your sins and the need for forgiveness and the forgiveness, then stuff like it is a terrifying thing to fall in hands with and go, seems real. I'm scared. Life doesn't make sense to me. I'm upset. I'm bothered. I'm not happy. I'm this. I'm that. Verse 10, he does not repay us according to our iniquities. This is the benefit of God. You will not have to deal with God regarding your sins. What a benefit. Have you ever sinned in such a way that you felt horrible? Have you ever been rude to your spouse? Have you ever been a bad parent? Have you ever said something you wish you hadn't said? Stuck your foot in your mouth? Have you ever cussed somebody out? Have you ever beat somebody up? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever been a jerk? Have you ever been wrong? Yes, yes, yes. Keep going, Josh. I'll just keep my hand up. You want to hear a great benefit of knowing God? Look at verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. How great is that love? Well, as high as the heavens are above the earth. Well, how high is that? Pretty high. But explain it a little bit more, God. Verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgression, tra- transgressions from us. We know ourselves to be great sinners, but we know Him to be a greater Savior. The reason why we can confidently believe verse 10 is because what Jesus did in Christ, or what God did in Jesus in Christ, is remove our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. What a benefit. Are you able to say here this morning, I am forgiven? Can you say here this morning, God has forgiven me of my sins? Can you say in your heart, I sin against God? And He loves me. And He forgives me through Jesus. Is that you? This is the benefit of knowing God. Do you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? There were several things that he said. I think there were seven things that he said actually on the cross. Does anybody know the last thing he said? Three words. It is finished. What is? Spreading them out east to the west. Get them out of here. God, you are not going to burden Josh. You're not going to burden these people with their sins. Your love for them is too great. My work on the cross is too sure. 
as high as the heavens are above the earth, so is God's great steadfast love toward His people. As far as the east is from the west, He has removed our transgressions from us. If you came here today feeling guilty, if you came here today feeling like a scumbag, if you came here today knowing that you are failing at life, listen, you can admit it. Don't deny it. You can admit it. But I'm going to tell you there's a benefit that you can have. God will forgive you of every bit of that. He will forgive you of your sins. Not because He's cheapened it, but because it cost Jesus His life. Who died on the cross for us. Now, here's what I want to say. I, I really meant to use benefits and benefits. Because until the benefit of God becomes important to you, the benefits of God won't be that much of a blessing to you. Every once in a while, you'll try to give Him credit for it. But it'll take something like Thanksgiving Day to bring it out. But when you have the benefit of God, the forgiveness of sins, His love and His mercy, He does not deal with me according to my sins. When you know that, You'll see, bless the Lord in everything. He heals me. He takes care of me. He provides for me. He does it all. The benefits of God are better seen through the benefit of God. Our salvation. Look at verse 13. He starts to describe God. As a father shows compassion to his children. This is something we know all too well. You know the way dads love their kids. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Did you know that the Bible describes God as a father? It calls him our heavenly father. I know you know that. But in many passages, he is compared to a loving father. Does everybody remember the prodigal son passage? Do you remember when the sinful, wayward, younger son had gone and squandered all the inheritance and was living in sin and yet had come to his senses and said, I'm going back to his father and he was worried about how the father would receive him? Do you remember that? Remember what the Bible says God the father did? He saw him when he's still a long way off. And it uses this word, he had compassion on his sinful son. And he ran to him and embraced him in his arms and said, my son has come back. That's God. That is God. What a benefit. As a father shows, in verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Verse 14, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Calling us dust is a heavy thought. People were made from dust. Adam was. God literally made him out of dust in the Garden of Eden. Breathed life into him and he came alive. But the Bible also teaches that once we die, we decompose and return to dust. And we know that. And God, knowing all of that about us and knowing that when we go from Birth to death and everything in between is often full of sin and rebellion against Him. 
Knowing that about us, he has compassion on us and he loves us. What a benefit. If you're here today and you have never said, I want to be a Christian, I invite you to become one. I invite you today to to go public and say, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to know the benefit of being a child of God who God will not deal with according to His sins. And if you have never done that, and you won't do that, or you want to do that, see it in light of this. Thirdly, the burden. Look at verse 15. There is a burden that comes with life, and I think we know it. As for man, his days are like grass. He's been, notice that David has been talking and talking and talking about God. Now verse 15, as for man. Isn't this how we do the four-point gospel here? In the new members class, I teach this. The, we, we have taught this to our young people. I want you to understand the gospel in four points. Number one, God is holy. Number two, man is sinful. Number three, Jesus is the answer to that problem. God is holy, man is sinful. Number three, Jesus is the answer to that problem. And then lastly, number four, you must repent of your sins and believe that. This is what David does. He's talked about God and what God is like. And now in in verse 15, he says, As for man, his days are like grass. If you start talking about God, you have all of these benefits. You start talking about man, you have all of these burdens. Man is like grass. Well, thanks a lot. You ever let the grass grow a little bit? It rains, got a little bit higher than you expected. It's hard to even mow high grass and it's all clumping up and then you got chunks of dead grass in the yard. It's a horrible scene. This is the way the Bible describes me and you. We're like grass. We flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. For as awesome as that dozen roses is that you take home to your wife and you say, Babe, I I love you. I'm so glad that you're my wife. Give it a week or two and those roses will be murky water and dead and petals laying on the table. It'll look terrible. We're not to think that this is it. We're not to think that these flowers last forever. If you got your flowers one, if you got your lady flowers one time and never did again, it's time to get her some more. Those flowers didn't last. And guess what? You won't either. You're like those flowers. The wind passes over and it's gone. Its place knows it no more. Y'all, the burden of, of life is a real burden. I know I say it all the time and y'all laugh, but I want you to get it. Doesn't it seem like life is flying by? Flying by. We played soccer over Thanksgiving break and Val's dad's about to turn 70 and he said, you know, I just can't play soccer as good as I used to. That's a reality, right? There's a burden of life. And it's not get happy before you don't have any more time to get happy. That desire makes you more burdened. But getting the benefit of God and knowing Him and the forgiveness, man, that satisfies. Do you ever like listening to people who are older than you and have more experience than you and learning from them? Do you like that? I hope our young people here today know the value of that. Mr. Jim May was a deacon here and he passed away a few years ago. 
he used to take me out to breakfast all the time, and we'd just sit, and he would, he would just talk to me. Like how he grew up 85 years ago. They didn't have heat in the house. And I said, what would y'all do when it was 10 degrees outside? He said, we put on more blankets. We slept in our pajamas. We wore our socks. I like hearing stories like that. We got a lot to learn. I was hanging out with a new friend this past week, and he was telling me that one of his favorite things is to sit and listen to older men, especially ones that can tell war stories and just have great experiences. He talked about how much he loved that. But sometimes you can't talk to older people, but you can read older people. One of my favorite guys to read is John Bunyan. Lived in the 1600s. He's got this little jingle that he says, and I want you to hear it. It fits well with this bird and talk. He says, run, John, run. God's law commands, but it gives me neither feet nor hands. Oh, there's a burden about life. You know you ought to be living for God, but you're not able to in your own strength. You know you ought to be living a life of praise and worship to God, but you would rather live for yourself. That's a burden that you live with. He says, run, John, run, the law commands, but it gives me neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. What a benefit to have the salvation of God. Because He has dealt with my sins in Christ so that I don't have to have the burden. If you're burdened here today, give the burden to Jesus. Repent of your sins and be saved. Verse 17. But, now, He had just talked about man and the burden and now He comes back to God. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And His righteousness to children's children. Y'all have heard me talk a lot about how the Bible gives these connections to the next generation, next generation. Notice here, to His children's children. I wrote a blog post for you all just a few weeks ago that talked about me thinking about my grandkids. Here you have it again. My kids' kids are in mind here. Verse 18. To those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments, the Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. And then Psalm 103 ends with the blessing. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works and all places of His dominion. The very last line is the same as the first line. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Do you know that God is the one from whom all blessings flow? Do you ever find yourself washing dishes and just singing the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Y'all know that song? Such a good one. David in Psalm 103 is right there. 
David's having one of those good moments where he feels the nearness of God. And his soul is crying out, bless you. But it's not an empty shot in the dark. It's not, I don't know the words of this song, but it feels good. It's because he's aware of all the benefits his life has from God. It's because he knows the benefit of the forgiveness of sins through Jesus in the face of the burden of being a sinner and the burden of life. I ask you today to believe in Jesus and allow your heart on the inside to say, Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the Psalms yet again. Thank You for Psalm 103. Thank You, God, for the simple reminder, practical talk of the benefits. But God, thank You for the benefits. Higher than the heavens above the earth, your love to us. Farther than the east is from the west, our sins gone. God does not repay us for our sins. God does not deal with us according to our sins. Why? Because of Jesus. Oh, Father, move in our hearts that we would believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.